Welcome! I'm so happy that you're here. I'm taking a little summer vacation, but I didn't want to leave you without an episode for this week. So I'm doing a little rewind of one of my favorite Once Upon a Time episodes. Give it a listen. I think you'll love it. I hope you're having a great day and don't forget to enter my 100,000 downloads giveaway. You can enter using the Google Doc link in the show notes. I'm giving away a $100 Disney gift card to one lucky listener. Just put in the code word purple so I know that you listen to this episode. I will be back soon with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mixin' Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Let's get to it. I'm so excited to be talking about one of my favorite rides. I'm going to say that every single time I do one of these, but we're going to be talking about the Little Mermaid Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Oh, I have so many fun things to tell you about this ride. Um, First of all, the soundtrack to the movie is amazing, so I couldn't help but put a little bit of that in. Um, So this is a classic dark ride that tells the story of the Little Mermaid with classic scenes from the movie. So this ride has no height requirements. It's good for all ages. It lasts about 5 minutes and 30 seconds. The entire ride is indoors and air conditioned, so it's so perfect on those hot days. Um, It usually has really short wait times, especially at Disneyland. You can almost walk on about any time of the day. Sometimes it'll get up to five to ten minutes, but usually it's very short and the line moves very quickly. Um, There's no Genie Plus available with this ride, but it doesn't really matter because the wait times are so short. There is a dark scene in which Ursula's in her lair, and I guess some kids might find it a little spooky. She's singing the song Poor Unfortunate Souls, and I think most kids would probably find it a little comical rather than scary, but Just be aware that some kids might find that scene a little frightening, but all of my kids have been totally fine with it and haven't been afraid of that scene at all. Plus, there's so many other fun scenes in it that it kind of um, overshadows it. They'd probably remember those more. The ride is an omni-mover system, so it's like the Haunted Mansion where guests walk right onto a little moving sidewalk if you will, and they step right onto the ride vehicle, which are these cute little clamshells. Very cute. And then the cast member will lower the bar for you. Sometimes they call it a sandbar, which I think is absolutely adorable. And the clamshells can seat two adults comfortably or three adults if you squish or two adults and two small kids. They're quite roomy, so you can fit quite a few people in there. The ride is wheelchair accessible, so 
You can take wheelchairs or ECVs through the regular queue, and there are actually two wheelchair-accessible vehicles that are look like King Triton's chariots that are available to guests, and wheelchairs can be pushed directly onto these vehicles from the loading ramp, and usually they don't even have to slow down the attraction at all. They can just put them right on. So it's pretty cool. Um, the attraction also offers an audio description and assisted listening device for those using a handheld assisted listening device. So I think that's pretty cool too. The ride is basically the same at Disneyland and at Disney World, but for some reason at Disneyland, the ride is called The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure, and at Disney World, it's called Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. Not sure why they're different, but they are. The ride opened in Disneyland on June 3rd, 2011, and it replaced Golden Dreams, which was a movie hosted by Whoopi Goldberg that I have absolutely no memory of whatsoever. So I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was probably great, but not great enough because it got replaced by The Little Mermaid. And then at Disney World, it opened December 6th, 2012. At Disney World, then Mickey's Toontown Fair was torn down to make way for a huge expansion of Fantasyland, and that included this new Little Mermaid attraction. So part of the ride fills the space from the old 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction. Um, Originally, the Little Mermaid ride was planned for Disneyland Paris and Magic Kingdom and was slated to open in the mid-1990s. And the original version would have used a suspended ride system, kind of like Um, the one used on Peter Pan's flight that would allow guests to physically dive under the sea. And early plans for Tokyo Disney Sea and Hong Kong Disneyland also included this attraction. But for whatever reason, the original plan was scrapped and we got a slightly different version. So if you happen to have the Platinum Edition DVD of the Little Mermaid movie from 2006, there is a virtual recreation included. So Go and run and look at your DVD, your Little Mermaid DVD, see if you have that edition, and maybe you'll be able to watch a virtual recreation. The Disney World version features a couple of nods to the old 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction. The Nautilus is included among the rockwork on the exterior of the queue, and the song Whale of a Tale is included in the queue's musical loop, so that's pretty cool. And when the Disney World version opened, a ceremony was held to link the two attractions together. So water was saved from the submarine lagoon, and it was poured into the waters of the Little Mermaid's exterior queue. So that's pretty cool. They kind of tried to link the past and the future together, and I like that. All right, the main difference between Disneyland and Disney World's version is really the queue. Disney World just knows how to do queues. They had more space, and they had a better understanding of guests and lines. I don't know. I don't know why, but Disney World's lines are way better. They're way more fun to wait in, way more comfortable than Disneyland. And really, we kind of got ripped off with the the queue line for the Little Mermaid at Disneyland. I mean, it's fine, but when you compare it to the one at Disney World, it's totally different. So in Disney World, no, no, no start over in Disneyland. Let's start with Disneyland first. So in Disneyland, the queue is inspired by the Victorian exposition style in seaside amusement parks in the 20th century. So it's inspired by these old Victorian seaside 
aquariums, essentially, that were popular in the 20th century, which is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool building. It's beautiful. On top of the building is a statue of King Triton with a relief carvings of Ariel's sisters in the archways. And the entrance to the queue is under the rotunda. The queue is mostly shaded, which is nice. And in the loading area, there's an 86-foot hand-painted mural depicting char characters from the movie, which is fun. Um, if you look down on the ground while you're walking through the queue, you can see little bits of seashell that have been kind of like crushed up and stuck into the sidewalk and walkways, which I thought was a really fun touch. Disney's in the details, I always say it. Um, but when you're climbing onto the ride, you're you're kind of like gliding past the mural. And on the very the very end of the mural, right before you enter the ride, in the rocks, there's a little hidden Mickey, so make sure you check for that. You'll be able to spot that if you look. It's really not a hard one to find. And then over at Disney World at the Magic Kingdom, they have this whole other amazing queue. So the building itself is a recreation of Prince Eric's castle. It's like this whole castle and they've got rocks and they've got water features and it's absolutely beautiful. So guests walk across a bridge and over a pond that resembles a beach with a castle on it. And there's a shipwrecked feature with like got this aerial as a figurehead and it kind of serves as the entrance to the line and the line weaves through waterfalls and caves below the castle. And it's really cool, like much cooler than what we've got over at Disneyland. Um, there's even an animatronic scuttle that's in part of the line and he talks and he interacts with guests as they walk by and he's super entertaining, got lots of fun things to say. Um, the line at Disney World is usually longer than the line at Disneyland, so maybe it's fitting that they have a better line, a better queue, I don't know. Um, but adjacent to the attraction at Disney World is Ariel's Grotto Meet and Greet, which is currently closed due to COVID, but it's usually open and that's where you can wait in line and you can go into Ariel's Grotto and meet her there and it's pretty cool. So if you're at Disney World, make sure you check out the queue. I mean, even if you just walk by it, it's fun to walk by and see all of the Little Mermaid theming in that area. It's pretty great. Okay, so when you get on the ride, I've already said it's an Omnimover, which is pretty cool, and you're in these clam clamshell-style things that, in California, they are a different bright kind of shiny colors, while in Magic Kingdom, they're all kind of a rough color, they're not really shiny, and they are all pink. So you start off the ride, you get in, you get settled, sit down, and then the vehicles enter a shipwreck through a broken hole in Prince Eric's ship. And so you kind of go into this large opening structure and then that reveals Scuttle that's sitting there and the sun's setting along the shore behind him and Scuttle's kind of surrounded by shipwreck and he's playing his accordion and he's greeting guests and he's starting to tell him, or not tell him, he's starting to tell the guests the story of Ariel and about how she wanted to become a human and how everything got messed up and of course Scuttle you know he's Scuttle so he has his own funny way of telling the story and he makes all these mistakes and so you kind of hear bits and pieces of that as you are passing by him so the attraction um the storytelling side of the ride is it's intended to be told from Scuttle's perspective so we see him at the very beginning and then we see him at the very end of the ride and it's meant to make us feel like he is telling us the story that we're seeing this um, adventure happen through Scuttle's eyes. 
Now, something that I found very interesting when I was learning about this ride is that um, Ariel and King Triton had so much skin exposed in this attraction and I guess that the Imagineers had never had to deal with so much skin before. Usually they can cover up animatronics and things with clothing, but Ariel and King Triton had so much skin exposed that they had to create a new technology, a new skin technology just for this attraction, which I thought was pretty interesting. So I like to keep that in mind as I'm floating along in my clamshell. All right, so right at the beginning of the ride, we go underwater to join Ariel and um, it's made to make you feel like you're actually going underwater. So you kind of go around this bend and then the lighting changes a little bit and there's an ocean wave and projected bubbles and I feel like it gets a little cooler right then when that happens and you're kind of transformed into, I don't know, a sea creature. You're under the sea all of a sudden. Um, when my kids were little, I would tell them that we were actually going under the ocean and they were sure that we were going under the sea to meet Ariel. We told them that it was Disney magic and that we could still breathe and we didn't get wet, but that because of Disney magic, we were now under the sea. So I don't know. I don't think they still believe that anymore, but it was fun while it lasted. So that we go under this little passage and then it reveals an image of Ariel and Flounder staring at the ocean's surface and the passageway kind of opens up to reveal Ariel in her famous grotto surrounded by all of her treasures from the human world that she's collected and she's singing part of the part of your world song and you know it's classic it's a classic scene from the Ariel movie and there's Flounder in there and the statue of Prince Eric and if you keep a close eye out, you can see Sebastian popping in and out of a treasure box and behind a magnifying glass, just like he does in the movie. He's there checking on Ariel, seeing what she's up to, and discovering all of her human treasures. So next, you kind of go by some fish, and um, you can see King Triton's palace in the background, and then it takes you in to the biggest scene of the movie, the under the sea scene, where there's over 183 characters in this scene and they're all singing and dancing and they're singing to the under the sea song where you know sebastian's trying to convince ariel that life under the sea is better than anything in the human world so it's very colorful and exciting and there's so many things to look at in this room now one thing that you'll notice if you've been on the ride a lot is that Ariel's hair is different than it used to be. So in the original ride, Ariel's hair in this scene is kind of up really high, almost like in a beehive hairstyle. Um, it looks kind of like an ice cream cone. People called it her Dole Whip hairstyle. Um, kind of like in the movie where the fish swim around her and they go all the way up her hair and it kind of pulls her hair up into this beehive ice cream cone style. I don't know how else to say it, um, but over the years, people didn't like it. And I mean, it it does look a little different in on the ride than it does in the cartoon. And people weren't sure why her hair was like that. They didn't remember that part in the movie and they weren't happy with it and they complained about it. And I also read that often it was a little top heavy and so the ride would break down because Ariel would tip over. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, so they changed the ride back in... 2012 so her hair is no longer sticking straight up it's down and supposed to look more 
normal, I guess. Um, on my Instagram, I have a video of the two side by side. So I will put an, a link to that, to that reel that I made so you can check out her old hairdo. Also included in this scene is something that I had never noticed before um, that one of my followers pointed out to me and I have never actually seen it in person. So I am excited to look for it when I'm there in a couple of weeks. But there is a fish that's hidden in this scene named Mr. Limpet. Um, do you guys remember that movie? I think I saw it years ago when I was very small. Uh, there's pictures of it online. If you look at the picture, you might recognize it. So Mr. Limpet is from a movie that was released in 1964 that was a combina combination of live action and animation. It's not a Disney movie. It's a Warner Brothers movie. Um, um, it's kind of filmed kind of like Bedknobs and Broomsticks where it's the live action and the cartoon. And actor Don Knotts plays this mild-mannered fellow named Harry Limpet who um, in 1941... He wants to join the Navy and serve his country during World War II, but he's not able to for some reason. And so he's upset and he falls into the water in Coney Island and magically, for some reason, I'm not sure why because I haven't seen the movie, he turns into this blue fish, but he still has his glasses on. And now he's able to help the U.S. Navy hunt down and destroy the Nazis and help win the war. And... So, I don't know, it sounds like kind of a cute film. Maybe I need to go check it out. And I'm not sure what this has to do with Disney, since it's not a Disney movie, but Don Knotts did perform in some other Disney movies, like The Apple Dumpling Gang in 1975. Maybe that's why. But the man who created the character um, is named Vladimir Bill Taitla, and he was renowned for his Disney animation too and so he did like helped out with Fantasia and Pinocchio and Dumbo and other things like that and so Disney animators really admired his work and they paid homage to Mr. Limpet in the final scene of Under the Sea in the Disney Little Mermaid animated feature so in the movie if you look carefully then you can see Mr. Limpet in with all these other fish in the Disney movie. He's got these, his classic lips, just like in the movie, and he's wearing the glasses, which is so interesting. And in California's version of Little Mermaid Ride, then if you look really carefully, supposedly you can find Mr. Limpet in this under the sea scene. So he is looking at, like, he's kind of peering around some seaweed. He's hidden, he's not lit. Um, he's peering around some seaweed right at the part where Flounder is dancing with the Carmen Miranda fish across the way. So if you look on the other side, he's supposed to be there. So I'm going to be checking it out next time I'm there. Apparently, when they went to recreate the ride at Magic Kingdom, then the Imagineers decided that they couldn't include it because it's not really a Disney thing. So it's supposedly not in Florida. I don't know. So I, this is something I'll be checking out. I thought it was very interesting and I'm excited to see if I can actually spot this. So after the undersea scene, you go around this bend and it starts getting dark and you start hearing some creepy music and we know that we're heading into Ursula's undersea lair. And as we pass into this cave, we see her eels that are named Flotsam and 
jetsam. And I wanted to see what their names meant because I've heard these words in other places and I wasn't sure what exactly they meant. So I'm going to tell you. I did a little deep dive on flotsam and jetsam. So flotsam is defined as debris in the water that was not deliberately thrown overboard. So often as a result from a shipwreck or accident. Now jetsam describes debris that was deliberately thrown overboard by a crew of a ship in distress, most often to lighten the ship's load. So there you have it. I'm sure you've been dying to know what flotsam and jetsam mean. Now you do. So we enter Ursula's undersea cavern, her undersea cave, and um, it's dark, but it lightens up pretty quickly. And we see Ursula there, and she's standing over her crystal ball, and she's singing the Poor Unfortunate Souls song. Now in this scene, Ursula is seven and a half feet tall and 12 feet wide, and she's actually up on a platform to make her look even larger and she's trying to convince Ariel that she has to trade her her voice so that she can have sea legs, or not sea legs, <laughs> so she can have human legs and be able to interact with the prince. And so we keep going through this little cavern. We see those eyes that are the little slug creatures in the movies. I don't even know what they are. The people, the mermaids that Ursula has captured beforehand. And then there's um, a little cartoon type scene on the wall where we see Ariel and she's transformed into a human and the next thing we know we're going up a little hill and we are entering the human world again we're no longer underwater and the storks are pulling back some vines for us and we're entering the kiss the girl scene where Ariel's in the boat with Prince Eric and Sebastian's trying to set the mood and all of the fish and the birds are singing Kiss the Girl. If you look really closely, there's two frogs in the water on lily pads and they have hidden Mickeys on their backs. So keep an eye out for that as you're going by that scene. And then really quickly, right after that, you can kind of see a silhouette of Ursula in the background and she's... Uh, it's the like, the final battle scene. We don't see any final battle scene, but all of a sudden we see Ursula back on that wall and she's angry and sinking under the ocean. And then we see a little silhouette of Ariel and Prince Eric and there's this little glowing ball that goes over to her throat, kind of like in the movie when her voice comes back. And then there's a heart that forms around their heads and we are in the final scene where there's King Triton and fireworks and everybody's celebrating and so happy because Ariel and Eric have gotten married. They're standing on a little gazebo. I don't know what it is. It's a little, <laughs> I'm going to go with gazebo and Ariel's in her wedding dress and they're waving to everybody. And that's when we see Scuttle again for the last time. And he's their animatronic self and he's telling everybody that they all lived happily ever after so we see scuttle at the beginning and then we see him there at the end of the ride now immediately when you exit the ride on the wall there's a little i guess it's a control panel i don't know it's something that's covered by a little cupboard and on the cupboard there are two little pictures that are paying tribute to the little mermaid's original author hans christian anderson as well as copenhagen's famous little mermaid statue so make sure you keep an eye out for those a couple other things i found interesting was that the music in the queue is an 
original orchestral melody from the movie and the songs that you hear on the attraction are originals from the movie too and they weren't re-recorded so they're all original and each scene of this attraction was first built in like a tiny little model that was a quarter inch scale model and then as a one inch scale model after that so that Imagineers could like ride through the attractions scene by scene and see how it would all work out before they actually began full construction. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right, that is all I have for you on Ariel's undersea adventure. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new and I hope that next time you are visiting the parks, you'll be able to notice some new things and have some things to tell your kids or your family or the group that you're with point a few things out that they might not have noticed before um and that you might not have noticed before so i hope this gives you a new appreciation for ariel's ride it's really a great one i love it especially on hot days i can ride it a couple times and just relax it's a very relaxing soothing ride in my opinion Real quick before I leave you, I want to tell you all about my friends at Getaway Today's latest deal. I just got word about their new sale and I'm so excited about it. I wanted to tell you about it. So if you are traveling to Disneyland between now and October 31st, then you can get such a great deal from Getaway Today. Right now they're doing an extra day at the parks free and an extra night free. So such a great deal. Uh, you can go check out Disneyland at Halloween time, see all the fun things they have to offer there. I've got a lot of information about Halloween time at the parks. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check that out. And I will also put a link to Getaway Today so you can check that out, see if it might be right for your family. Um, that's all I have for you today. I really appreciate you listening. If you would do me a huge favor and leave me a comment and rate my podcast, that really helps other people find me and I would appreciate it so much. Um, I hope you guys all have a great weekend, have a great rest of your week, and thank you so much for listening. We'll talk soon.